Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This week, we're going from prison to missionary by the grace of God, and we're going to talk about planting a church in an unlikely place. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 167, with Mike Lewandowski. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hey, thanks for subscribing to this show. We want to see the body of Christ fully engaged in God's mission on the earth. I'll be introducing our guest in a couple of minutes, but before I do that... I want to welcome a new person to the community, Scott, and I'm not going to give a full name here, but Scott has recently liked our Facebook page, so I'd like to welcome him and thank him and invite Scott to join us in the conversation. If you'd like to join the conversation, you you can connect with me on Facebook or Twitter or any of the other social media platforms. Uh, most of those links you'll find in the show notes page, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Mike Lewandowski. And in that vein, I also want to share a conversation that was on Twitter or something that one of our previous guests shared. Gina Thomas wrote a book on justice and involvement in missions and things like that. And a couple weeks after I interviewed her, I interviewed another guest who wrote another book on a similar topic. And what she shared was that she absolutely loved the humility and awareness of Kent Annan in that episode, which is 163, and that she was jealous of his books and title. She she recommended that people both listen and read. Now, what I like about this is that in a lot of places, Kent and Gina could actually maybe see themselves as competitors, but she was willing to promote his work. That's the kind of thing that I like to see in Christ's body, and so I wanted to highlight that. You'll find Kent's interview at engagingmissions.com slash Kent Annan, and Gina's is at engagingmissions.com slash Gina Thomas. Both of them have written books. They're good books, and uh, I, I would highly recommend that you check out either of them. Recently, I was on a trip to Atlanta for a missions conference, and Scott McClelland of FX Missions asked how that went, so I wanted to share a little bit of information. This is just going to be a little bit of a tease. Now, first off, this ended up being a very small or very intimate conference. There were only a few people there, but that was really cool because it meant I got to spend more one-on-one or one-on-five time with the missionary. I met missionary Mark Brink. He's the leader of Global Initiative, which is a group out of the Assemblies of God, He shared about what they're doing to equip local believers to engage Muslims, to reach Muslims. I thought it was really cool. And here's a little bit of a spoiler. They're working across denominational lines and across national boundaries to do this. So I thought that was really cool. Together, all of those of us who attended committed to raise $11,000 for what they're doing. And in a couple of weeks, I'll start talking about ways that you might want to be involved in that. But for now, I'm not going to push that any further. I'm just going to share that with you. So Scott, thanks for asking. 
You can find the show notes for this week's episode at engagingmissions.com slash Mike Lewandowski. That's where you'll find links to the things we've talked about, quotes, and also resources to help you engage. Let's get started. Today, I am so excited to have Mike Lewandowski with me. He's a man who was, he grew up in a broken home. He was lost. He found his way into drugs and alcohol and eventually ended up in prison. But while he was there and as he as he got out, he, he got to the place where he couldn't go on. He got married, started having kids, realized that he needed to know Jesus, and he's been on a journey now that has taken him from prison to missions. I'm, I'm so excited to share his story because it's so different from mine and because God works in such amazing ways. Oh, and I also forgot to mention, he's a business owner in Florida, and he's involved in the No Place Left Network. So, Mike, welcome to the show. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is absolutely my privilege. And I guess I should have mentioned as well, we caught up a little bit on the phone before we started this recording, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And that conversation was just really sweet. I was I was so excited to share the story of your life. As we get into this at the very beginning, there are there's a broad range of people who are business owners or who are involved in the marketplace and also involved in vocational or even avocational ministry. Can you share with us a little bit about what your business is? Yeah, well, I've had a tattoo shop for about 18 years, and I started that business years ago as a non-Christian. But as I come to find Christ and we stepped into the life of Jesus, we also had to wonder how can we use this to glorify Him. So what we did was as a business is I started using it as a as a tool that when people sit in my chair and you spend some intimate time with them is that we can actually share our life story with them and to hear what's going on in their life because most people getting a tattoo are either celebrating something or mourning something. Mm. So within that moment, it gives us a chance to pray for people. And when we get a chance to pray for people, it also allows another door to open up another avenue of sharing the gospel and asking them where they are in life. So it's been very fruitful with that. You know, I didn't want to just get stuck in the numbers and about making a living. And that is my main job is to provide for my family. But also I wanted to make sure that I could use that business as the fullest. And God tells us that uh, he gives us all types of tools and weapons for the kingdom. And we wanted to make sure that we uh, use it to the fullest. Well, that's great. So you mentioned that a lot of the people that are coming in are either celebrating or mourning something, and that gives you an opportunity to to pray with them. Do you get to pray with a lot of your customers? Absolutely. I would say that very few people turn prayer down. Some people will do the in generalized things of good health and prosperity. If people say, no, I'm completely cool, I got everything, I just ask them if I can just pray a prayer of thanks for, for God blessing them so much in abundance. So any moment that I can seize for prayer with them is really awesome. And I don't want to seem like a radical guy that's just jumping all over them. There is a sensitivity of timing with that. But God's always there and just really, really seizes the moment. So as you think about the the business and what you have going on in ministry, I know you're involved in a lot of different kinds of things. Is the business kind of disconnected from your ministry? Is it all kind of one thing? How, how does that work in your life? So my business is also a church plant meeting place on Tuesday nights. I actually meet there at night to train new believers and old believers in how we are to evangelize and go out in the community and spread the gospel. And our main mission is to hit the streets door to door and to share with everyone 
the opportunity of Jesus. And we do that through prayer. So it's not my main ministry spot. It is a definitely a gathering point that I can meet people that I don't know that I normally wouldn't invite into my home that we don't know. But it's a funneling to where we can capitalize on that. But my family, my wife and six kids, we do all hit the harvest. We go out into the neighborhoods and we do pray strategically door to door and start working in an area that we know that nobody will be left behind. We get every opportunity to pray for people. As I'm thinking about the, the story that, you sh- that we kind of shared at the beginning, a little bit of your story of coming to Christ, that's quite a journey. And I'm wondering, can you, as, as you think about your, your journey with Christ, going from, call it prison, to missions, can you maybe share with us that time when, God, when Christ really captured your heart, what was going on and what God did that day or that week? I grew up in a broken home, and I found myself at about eight years old, eight to ten years old, shaking my fist at God, angry why my family had broken up. Mm. I wanted my father in my home, but I didn't want him there with all the chaos going on either. So that was a hard point for a small child to have to make that decision, and my dad wound up leaving. And a few years later, my dad uh, wound up getting me and my middle brother for us to live with him too. Mm. And then... Through the years, I wound up getting into trouble in juvenile, and I caught a charge and went to prison, got out, was still running the streets, um, really just didn't have a mentor or somebody that was a positive influence in my life to really lead me in a Christ-like way. And I, I really didn't know anything about God. I just knew that God allowed really bad things to happen in my life, and that, that started my bitterness and anger. Mm-hmm. But through the years, I really had to start being held accountable for my actions and owning my consequences and walking through them and understanding that God won't take us out of the circumstances, but he will walk us through the consequences and, and love us through it. And I, I begin to understand that. Um, long story short is that I guess really about five years ago, and I knew Christ for about 10 years at that time, but I need to make a turning point in my life that riding the fence was not fruitful. I just couldn't get there. My marriage was falling apart. My kids were in shambles. My business was failing. And I really just need to get to a point to say, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to surrender all of this to you. And I just want to glorify you because my life, I'm still in a broken place. And I just don't have anywhere else to go. And at that point, he began to tell me, is that's right exactly where you need to be, Mike, because now... I can take you and mold you into the child that I wanted you to be. And if you'll surrender to me, I'll lead you into the glory land. And I began to listen and follow him. Wow, that, that that's amazing. So as I'm thinking about this, we know that you've had the tattoo parlor for about 18 years. You had about 10 years of walking with Christ where things were kind of starting to fall apart. And then I think about five years now that you've been walking in a different way. Is that accurate? Yes, so we're looking across, for an 18-year-old, almost an entire lifetime of, of history. I know that you're not 18, but it's a, it's a long time frame where God's been working in your life. Have there been any key things that God's shown you as you've been walking through these seasons? You know, God, as I look back, God always continued to show me that he was there. I always felt alone. I always felt abandoned. I always felt rejected. But as I began to seek him, I began to see that in every place he was there, allowing me to make my own decisions 
but also directing that lit path to say, hey, look, Mike, that you're going to make that choice. But there's also this other choice over here. And I will say, key points in my life was understanding also that God placed people in my life at certain specific times that showed me the love of Jesus too. And that was very powerful from little small moments to to long moments of heavenly relationships with people too is that God showed me. But I think one of the most pivotal times in my life is that when I was really broken and my life was just falling apart, my wife had a choice to either leave me or to stay with me. And she had said that day is that I see you're a broken man and I'm not going to love you today as your husband. I'm going to love you today as your sister in Christ. And we're going to walk this out. And at that point, I began to understand absolutely, without a doubt in my mind, what the love of Christ is to the bride. That's at the moment that I seen God work the most powerful thing in life is that at that point when forgiveness was was. Absolutely, I didn't think I could deserve to be forgiven, but I seen that, and she shared that with me, and that changed my life forever. It's so easy to forget sometimes that one of the primary ways that Christ shows his love and shows truth to us is through the key relationships in our life. As you think about your life and what you have going on, are there key relationships that you have that you've been investing in? And, and, and if so, how do those play into how you're walking your life now? Well, I got to prioritize things in a biblical manner. And I, we, of course, we know we spend time with God first. And then I spend time with my wife and then my kids and then our ministry and then our work and then other relationships. So I make sure that we, as busy as we can, doing missions and working, uh, we don't have much time at all, but we do take our Sabbath as a family. I do spend as much time as possible with my wife with quality one-on-one time and our children, not to leave the kids behind either, because I even believe in that, Mm -hmm. is that we can go save the world and our children do not see Jesus in us because we're not loving our children. And then they later can be hurt because they don't feel important. So make sure I pour into my kids too. Secondly, yes, we do have a church plant. It's a circle of families that we meet for our church. Them are the families that we pour into a lot. We call it funnel discipleship is that we spend a whole lot of time with our most intimate people mm-hmm. who are very fruitful in our lives. And then as we come out to the outer ring of that, we start spending time with the other people, you know, the secondary people in our life that we come in contact a lot with too, but We also disciple them in a way that is iron sharpens iron. Mm. So, yeah, I believe uh, like Troy Cooper has been an amazing man in my life. Jerry Smith, Augie Martin, these people right here are really, really close people of ours. And we really try to pour as much time into them as possible. So not only do we get to know each other very well, but we also get to work our ministry with each other very well. We have about 20 something kids between our (laughs) for families. So it's a very busy team, church, but we also know that putting as much time as possible into that is the most fruits for later on our next generation. 
Yeah. So you mentioned something that that's I think probably most of us know, but it's so hard to do. You talked about having priority that, you know, you you honor your relationships in that order of priority. First first God, then your the relationships in your family and then the key relationships in ministry and so on. I at least in my life, a lot of times I can have what feels to me a little bit like a a savior complex where I can feel like I need to go out and meet all of these other needs as well. And sometimes it's really hard to focus on the ones that are the most important. Have you found any keys to being able to do that well? I think I'll always fail in certain areas of that. I think really when I ask the Lord, Lord, is this my flesh or is this the spirit? I mm. think he really leads me in a way that I can, uh, I release the responsibility of being having to make that decision. I knew that when we were in India, me and my family had done our first mission trip to Delhi, India for seven weeks. We went almost two months. It was in the middle of the summer. It was our first mission trip ever. We were doing a DTS uh, crossroads through YWAM. And uh, we got poured into that city with about 20 something million people. And it was busy. But what we also noticed is that there was such a vast need that we couldn't save the world. And we were really in a hard spot because we had to rely on God to say, who do we pray for? Who do we feed? Who do we care? Mm-hmm. You know, who do we tend to? And at that point, I I actually was starting to gain the knowledge of his will and his power and my power and my strength. And when I let in my power and my strength, I failed immensely. And not that God didn't use that for the good, but he didn't use it to the fullness because I was unwilling to surrender that time. So, yeah, I just really think allowing the spirit to lead us in them. Wow, that's a really good insight, that that willingness or unwillingness to surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That That's really powerful. I have maybe just one more question to kind of tie a bow on this section. I'm wondering, as you think about your life and your ministry, is there a meaningful scripture or a quote that's really been foundational to how you, how you do what you do? It almost seems cliche, but Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, because I knew that he had good plans for me, and I knew that. And then the Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty was another one too. And the reason why I say that is because when I was a little kid, and I knew that God existed, I just didn't know where He was. Was one thing, and I knew that He had created me for something. And then wrapping up into that Matthew 28 is that he had created me to spread his word and his love in a mighty way. And at that moment, I understood when I read that scripture is what I was to do is that I could reach every ear I could possibly reach as long as every breath that I'm taking. So then were the two scripture verses actually that really, really have catapulted me into my ministry and my family to lead them. Wow, that, that's good stuff. With that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus even a little bit more towards your ministry. Awesome. Hey, Engaging Missions listeners, this is Jim Baker from episode 119. Thank you so much for being a faithful listener to this show. Brian has been a huge encouragement to me personally and to my podcast, Doing Ministry Well. After a long hiatus, we finally have some new episodes up, and we'd love it if you check it out over at doingministrywell.com. I have an iTunes review to share with you. It actually came in toward the end of October. It's from, and I'm going to probably kill this uh, username, it's 
either Old Sow or Old So. I'm not quite sure which one it is. I don't have a real name. So if you do leave a rating and review in iTunes, I'd love it if you'd leave your real name or a website or something like that so that I can know exactly who I'm talking to and actually use your name. But in this instance, old I'll call it Old So because that sounds better, shared, Brian has a relaxed style, quick humor, and engaging style, and engaging is in quotes there, Every week, there's a different guest who is serving in a different capacity and missions. You get to hear from veterans who have spent decades in the field to students who are about to embark on their first journey. They represent a wide spectrum of missional work and church backgrounds. Their testimonies are encouraging and thought-provoking. They also add very helpful tips for missionaries, potential missionaries, or mission supporters. So, Old So, thank you so much for sharing that. You've captured a big part of what my heart is for the show, which is capturing that amazing variety, that tapestry of the people that God has created, the incredible variety that he has, and the different ways that we can serve God. Now, obviously, I can't I can't cover everything in the in the purview of this kind of show, and so I focus specifically on missionaries, church planters, and ministry leaders, but I love that you appreciate the variety and that connects with you. If you're listening to this and you're thinking you'd like to also leave a rating and review, you can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. I would greatly appreciate it because it helps me know either what you're looking for or whether or not I'm delivering what you're looking for so that I can I can get better at this and I can continue to do that. And I would greatly appreciate it. But also, it can help other people not just find the show, but know whether or not this is the right show for them. By reading your rating and review, they might go, hey, that's something that I want to listen to. You might be a part of that. And I would greatly appreciate it. That's engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. All right, we're back with Mike Lewandowski. We've been talking a little bit about what's going on in his life and his ministry, some of the amazing ways that God has worked in and through his life. Now we're shifting our focus a little bit more toward the ministry and a little bit more specifically toward the church that's meeting in their tattoo shop. So Mike, as I think about this, for some of our listeners, this is going to be a bit of a new concept, the idea of a church that meets someplace other than what we would think of as a church building and that approaches ministry a little bit differently. Can you maybe share with us a little bit about the foundation of how you approach your your church meetings and approach your church ministry? Absolutely, Brian. So what we did with our ministry of door-to-door evangelism and meeting and praying with people in my shop, we had to come to a gathering part that we had to realize that a lot of people, although you invite them to church, will not come to church. So we had asked the people, well, if you would meet, would you be willing to maybe meet at the tattoo shop? And they had agreed to and said yes. So that started a a movement to where we could say, okay, now we can funnel everybody into a gathering place and that we can go through and find out what do they want to know about the Lord, you know? So what we do is is that we do invite people to to the tattoo shop to meet, and the kids are welcome too. Uh, So when they come, we, we start out with, I would say it's the commands of Christ. And what we do is we go from from the time that they repent and believe, from that moment on, to going into letting them know what it is to step into a, a, a healthy church. And in Acts 2, 36 through 47, Paul specifically really lays out mm. of what a healthy church is. Now, 
our tattoo shop doesn't have all the elements of a healthy church, but it's a church, and it's a church that we are growing. And in the commands, Jesus specifically talks about different things that we need to do. And um, so what we do is we go into the, the Word, and we dig in really deep in the meat of it, and we get the Scripture pulled out, and we explain to the new believers and the old believers also of what we're to do to be the church. Oh, that that's good. So as I'm thinking about the commands of Christ, it's it's occurred to me as we were talking that about 160 episodes in, I've had several people who are involved in the commands of Christ. I don't know that I've ever, or at least haven't recently had those commands outlined. Can you share with us what the seven commands are, the foundation for those? Well, the foundations in Acts okay. 2, 36 to 47 is the first one, is to repent and believe. And then the second one is baptism. And then we go into prayer. We go into reading the word. We go into doing the Lord's Supper. We love one another. We also want to make sure that we're given time and money. We want to make sure that there's worshiping going on. A very important specific thing also is, is discipling one another. And then also finding the appointed leaders in that church that really are the ones who can start another church. And within that, we had found that Paul teaching Timothy these things and finding a natural leader in Timothy is that Timothy was able to actually teach other people also. And that's how Paul was actually able to reach 8 to 15 million people in two years in Asia. Mm. So if, if Paul could do it in two years then we believe also here in South Florida that we can reach 18 million people in another four years. Wow, that, that's great. And then you're able to take that with you wherever you go, and when, whether you're knocking on doors or walking on the street or whatever, that's something that you can take with you as part of the way you live your life. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Absolutely. And I find the really, really important thing in this is that it, when people come to Christ— they get this big book with 66 chapters, and they just don't understand what, what it is. It's just a bunch of words. And they want, they're interested in understanding the Word, and they want to know the Bible, but they don't know where to start, and they don't know how to do it, and they don't know what the reason is. So it, it allows us, in a very easy way, for them to start opening up their Word and reading Scripture for Scripture memorization, identifying who they are in Christ, and also understanding the stories in the Bible, too, even if we have to role-play them out as a walk-and-living story. That, that's cool. So I, I'm thinking about this, you know, just the the natural mechanics of owning a business and planting a church would come with challenges. But I think that as you're making progress, as you're bringing light into darkness, there are also other kinds of more spiritual or more focused challenges that come up against you. Can you share how God's worked in and through your life and your ministry to overcome at least one challenge? Well, my biggest challenge was failure, fear of failure. Knowing that we're called to missions, me and my family, knowing we want to do it abroad, we feel that we're called to the 1040 window. Mm. But coming back here, feeling brokenhearted and lost, how do we serve here? When we come back, we were heavily involved in a big church. We all committed as volunteers and took up the cross and um, whatever the need is, we'll do it. And we really got plugged in and uh, we were serving. My kids were serving. My wife was serving. I'm serving all the way down to the little ones. 
But man, we were just feeling lost. And God just kept encouraging me and encouraging me and encouraging me that, Mike, this is new to you and you weren't brought up in the church and you, you don't understand a lot of things. So I just had to really just trust him to let him walk me through the messiness to come out on the other side. And I think that's a big uh, point that people don't want to admit is that, you know, most of the time we're a complete shambles. <laughs> yeah. And we're just walking by faith alone. And we're just holding on to the coattails of Jesus. And he's just dragging us through the, the, the dirt. But on the other side, he promised us that he would glorify our life if we're just obedient. Wow. You, as you're sharing that, you shared the thing about hanging on to the coattails of Jesus. And that that just reminded me of, in, in the Old Testament, the, the psalm that says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper at, at that door of my God than to dwell in the house of the un, unrighteous. And, you know, th- there's something about that, about that relationship, even if it's hanging on for dear life, as you, as you outlined it. It's just really powerful. As, as I'm thinking about this, you know, you know there's... There's a call, right? You're, you want to be in the 1040 window. You're not there right now. You're in Florida. You're clearly where God wants you right now. Do you think that God will lead you back to the 1040 window? I, I would hope so for my, for my heart. And I believe God's a big God and that he'll give us what our desires are. But I also had to come to the, um, I would say, the contentment or the satisfaction of saying, Lord, where my feet are is my mission field. And I think that that's very powerful. That's really what humbled me and changed my life. Is is like, you know, Mike, them aren't your people. Mm. They're not your native tongue. And you can make a difference here because they know you. And you have walked this area of the earth well-traveled. And so he says, for now, son, um, lead your family through this area. We call it an oikos, our circle of people. And I never really knew how fruitful local missions could be. And people say, you're a missionary. And they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, we go and spread the word of God ear to ear, door to door, tattoo by tattoo, grocery store, wherever we meet. We just spread the love of God and just ask people, is there a need? And how can we meet it? And I just didn't want to run before God. And I thought that me running around the world, saving the world, I could do better than God. And I think that that's where a lot of us get caught in our flesh and feeling good that we get to do this. And But God said, Mike, if you don't go anywhere and you just stand right here, I'll show you the great plans that I have for you. And at that moment, I broke in said, you know what, this is where my feet are, and this is where we will start our mission field. That's powerful. You know, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that. As I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, man, you know, I want to be more like Mike. <laughs> I want to be more like that. And so that, that's one of the things that I'm going to be continuing to ask God about is, you know, obviously I'm not supposed to walk the same as you. I'm a different person. God's called me to walk differently. But is there a little bit of that that, can, that God can work in my life? I, I just appreciate the submission and the, the, the deep love and trust that I hear in your voice. As I'm thinking about what's going on in your life and your ministry— there's a lot of work. You own a business, you have, you know, you lead a church, you go out and you 
minister to people on the streets, all kinds of stuff like that. What is it that fuels your passion, gives you the strength to do that? You know, and, and thank you for what you just said earlier, Brian, about that too. That's very humbling. And I receive that to, to know that even, even for me and you, for me to make an impact in your right. life. I would say that the realness of my brokenness where I was at that most intimate point, and I had, I had tried to come to Jesus time after time after time, but I just didn't get rocked with the Holy Spirit. You know what mm. I'm saying? There was that time that you just still felt empty, and God took that moment and he placed it in my heart for me to understand that that most broken moment in my life that I can keep so real and fresh. And that propels me into this broken world is that instead of me being cold hearted in a social path, that I can cry for the broken hearted and I can feel for the broken hearted and I can pray for the broken hearted. And in that tenacity, I can follow Jesus into the battlefield and save lives. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's going to take me a minute to wrap my head around that. I'll be honest, when I'm listening through this again, that's going to knock my socks off the second time I can tell right now. With, with that, we are going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus more toward our listeners. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. really start disciple me without me noticing. Um, he will ask questions uh, that they were intriguing, and uh, it turned out to be that I really like to talk to him. And one thing, you know, I, I think was very organic, that one thing started leading to another, and uh, we start talking about the Bible and who God is. And I remember one night after church, you know, I, I played the guitar, so I played the guitar for them, and I was ready to go, and he sat me down, and he started asking me, like, what are you going to do? You know, like, what? Well, I mean, you're in college. Your parents are paying a lot of money for you to be in college, and, you know, you, you have your broken knee. You cannot play anymore. What are you going to do? <laughs> and it really intrigued me because until that point, I, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And he kind of told me, like, hey, you're good with people. You, you're good at what you do. You love the kids. Uh, the youth there and well you don't keep doing this and see where where God takes you if you enjoyed that you won't want to miss a single episode of the engaging mission show subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe that's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe we're back with Mike Lewandowski during the break, I've still been trying to process some of the stuff that he shared. It's really good, really powerful stuff. So, Mike, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here and sharing your heart and sharing what God's doing in your life. Now we're shifting our focus more toward our listeners. They've been with us for this whole time, but a lot of our listeners I know are in the marketplace or are perhaps bivocational. And sometimes in that kind of situation, it can start to feel like what you're doing in the marketplace doesn't really matter for the kingdom. If you were to talking to somebody in that situation, what would you share with them? I would share with everybody any little act of kindness, any little word of prayer, any any way that we can steer somebody to the love of, of the Lord does matter. 
I, I really think that there relies on the devil of insecurities and I don't matter and I'm not making a difference. That's a lie from the devil. I mean, we, we have to throw that back to Haiti because, you know, every little seed planted, God promises us that the seeds that we plant, he'll water. And some others might harvest that or we might harvest it or we'll harvest somebody else's stuff. But every seed that was planted will grow. And so I just I just know that when people are out there and they're they're just trying and they're getting over their insecurities or or they're really just fearful of just uh, stepping out and touching a friend and just praying for them is that that really makes a difference. I know in our life is that when I hit the mission field and I pray for people, whether it be at work or or in a grocery line or anything, I, I look at it as a moment of life and death. Number one for eternally, a number two for. I might be just saving somebody's life that day from suicide or an overdose or, or making a rash decision or, or taking somebody else's life or leaving their husband or leaving their wife or abandoning their mm. children or quitting the job. Anything that, they, that somebody might do is that we do make a difference. The really hard part is if, if we, just, we just shut down and we don't do something, then we know that we're not doing what God has asked us to do. Wow, that's that's powerful. You know, I, I think that a lot of times it's so easy to forget that those interactions at the grocery store could literally be saving somebody's life. We sometimes think that maybe we help people feel better or as though the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus is somehow less, and yet at the same time, we could be literally saving a marriage or, well, Christ through us. Thank you for sharing that perspective. And that's actually a great lead into the next question because I know in Florida, I know here in Nashville, a lot of the landscape is changing. My next door neighbor is from Zimbabwe. There's a lady across the street from another country. I'm, liter- I'm literally surrounded by people from other nations, other religions, that kind of thing. What would you share with somebody who's beginning to realize that they're surrounded by people from other world religions or perhaps places where we think that's missionary territory? I think growing up in a multicultural nation, working in a multicultural society, we have to be open to who they are. I mean, Jesus definitely walked into the mission field and everybody from every tribe and every nation came to hear him. I think in today's times is that we can sometimes be a little bit cynical or hypocritical with other people in other religions and other nations. But I have to say that to be really open and to love them where they're at, and that's a really hard discernment, of how to do that, but I just think it just takes practice. We're going to mess up in that. We're going to sometimes judge somebody or not treat them well because of differences. But when you get to the really cutting edge of religions and all that, you know, I serve I serve a great God and I serve the living God and I don't have to defend God. Sometimes we want to go out there and punch people out, you know, verbally about talking about Jesus and everything, but really, honestly, he's a he's a free will God and he's a loving God and he's an eternal God, so we don't have to rush his work. We just have to be content where we're at with loving them where they're at. Wow, that, that's good. Is there a an internet resource, a tool, maybe a book, something that you'd recommend for our listeners? I would completely say if anybody's got any questions about anything, is the, is the GodsQuestions.org. That's a faith-based tool that I use with a lot of believers and non-believers about asking hard questions about God. And it really lays it out in a really, really clear way with Scripture about 
what truth is. If if that's answering your question. Oh, that's great. If it's a resource you point people for, that's what we're looking for. That's great. Yes. So we're just about done. Oh, I should mention this. For those listening, links to this will be included in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Mike Lewandowski. So that's where you can go to find quotes and some of the things that we've already talked about. Now, Mike, as we bring this to a close, I'm wondering, do you maybe have one last piece of advice and a good way for people to connect with you? You can go through our Facebook on Lewandowski's Adventures. And get a hold of us me that way. Um, I do run Mighty Mike's Tattoos in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want to get a hold of me through that, there is a no place left also. But really connecting with me is just, just through that. You know, whether it be my tattoo shop or whether through the Lewandowski's Adventures on the Facebook. It is a Lewandowski Adventures, right? Yep. So that's how they can connect with me. Okay. Yeah. That, and do you have maybe one last piece of advice? You know, I could always just maybe not advice, give advice, but I could always do a suggestion of, you know, is just um, be be sure of who you are, you know, really seek God in a way that he, what his plan is for you is that, you know, we, we get so doubtful in our life and we, we don't feel fruitful in certain things as a common missionary or a, an abroad missionary or, or just a, a, a disciple of Jesus. But, you know, know that every word and every action that we do, people are watching us. And they're going to see how we act when we're under pressure and when we're also in the glory times of enjoying ourselves. And for us to be careful of who we are, because we're teaching others who Jesus is. That's one thing. The second part of that is you are making a difference as long as we're breathing on this earth, we're making a difference. We can either impact somebody's life in a positive way or impact their life in a negative way. And I think leaving our conversation, is a, that's a perfect way is that a, a mentor of mine has said is, Mike, um, you know, are you making a difference for the good or are you making a difference for the bad? And um, I, I'll, I'll leave that conversation with just saying that. Wow, that that's good. Are you leaving the Are you leaving the world better, or are you doing the doing good or doing bad? So, yeah, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it, Brian. Thank you so much for getting up so early. It's been a pleasure <laughs> and an honor to speak with you, and uh, looking forward to talking with you again. My thanks to Mike Lewandowski for being with us and also to you for joining us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Mike Lewandowski. And Lewandowski is spelled L-E-W-A-N-D-O-W-S-K-I. That's where you're going to find links, quotes, and resources to help you engage. Make sure that you come back next week. We're going to be hearing from Esteban Ceballos. He spent a few years in Cuba. And now he's part of a team that's planning to invest in the church in Latin America. You can make sure that you don't miss that by subscribing at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And please help me understand how I can make the show better for you and how I can serve you better. Send me an email at feedback at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.